This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It is Friday, February 25th, and this is People Every Day. Yep, it is Friday, and it's me, your host, Janine Rubenstein here. What a week it has been. I'm ready for a weekend with decompression and distraction. And luckily, Hollywood is providing that. The NAACP Awards air on Saturday, and the Screen Actors Guild Awards are on Sunday. Yours truly will be at the SAG Awards, co-hosting People's Red Carpet Live special, kicking off at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So tune into that on People.com or YouTube. And you know, come Monday, I'll have plenty of juicy behind-the-scenes stories for you. But right now, let's talk about stories making news today. A cause of death has finally been revealed in the case of The Walking Dead actress Alicia Witt's parents. In December, after not hearing from her father, Robert, who is 87, and her mother, Diane, who is 75, Witt called a cousin to check on her parents at their Massachusetts home, where they were ultimately found deceased. At the time of the discovery, there was no suspicion of trauma or foul play, nor was there a carbon monoxide leak. According to the recently obtained death certificates, the cause of death was probable cardiac dysrhythmia due to the cold temperatures. The couple was apparently having problems with their furnace. Neighbors told the local paper, the Telegram and Gazette, that the house had fallen into disrepair. So in a social media post, Witt, who's 46, described how she tried on countless occasions to pay for repairs or even personally help her parents around the house, to which they adamantly refused. The actress went on to say, I struggle. As much as I helped, with what else could I have done? Short of petitioning the court for taking control of two otherwise very sharp, very independent, very capable adults, they were a united, intertwined, indivisible force, determined to do things their own way. We wish all the best to Alicia Witt and her family as they continue to grieve their loss. We talked about the Supreme Court. I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get every representation. Now, that was President Joe Biden during a Democratic nominee debate two years ago. And today, he made history by making good on that campaign promise. This morning, the president officially announced that Kintaji Brown Jackson will be the first Black woman ever to be nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. Jackson, who's 51, currently sits on D.C.'s federal appellate court. If confirmed, Jackson will replace Justice Stephen Breyer, who is set to retire this summer. Now, various Republicans have already signaled a reluctance to move forward on confirming Biden's judicial nominee if they retake the Senate following the upcoming midterm elections. But regardless, it's an incredible accomplishment for such a qualified candidate like Jackson, someone who may not have even received consideration only a few years ago. And now, it's not hard to connect the dots between that important news and our next story. It's been a decade since the Black Lives Matter movement officially took form in this country. And the reason that movement exists is evidenced by a number of cases still making news right now. This week was filled with several heartbreaking anniversaries. On February 23, 2020, Ahmaud Arbery, a 25-year-old Black man, was shot and killed by three white men in Georgia. 
Now, two years later, after that horrible day, Ahmad's murderers were found guilty this week of federal hate crimes. This verdict comes three months after they were found guilty of murder in state court in Georgia. Now, tomorrow, it will be 10 years since the killing of Trayvon Martin, a 17-year-old Black boy shot by a neighborhood watch volunteer who, after pursuing Trayvon against the advice of police, claimed he shot the teen because he feared for his own life. In addition to these anniversaries, a few other trials made headlines this week as the fight for racial equality continues. So joining me now to help unpack these updates is People Executive Editor Jeremy Helliger. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Janine. Well, this is some really heavy stuff we're dealing with in the midst of Black History Month, so I appreciate you taking the time to discuss it with me. Anytime. So let's let's start with Ahmad Arbery. As we know, you know, he was just a normal 25-year-old Black man who loved his family and community. But in 2020, while out on a jog, he was violently chased down, then confronted by three white men who claimed they thought he was robbing a construction site. Ahmad was shot and killed while the entire attack, essentially, was recorded. Now all three men involved have been found guilty of federal hate crimes. So what do you think is the significance of this particular verdict? And, and what does it say about where we are in terms of race in America. It seems like the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth. After George Floyd, I thought, okay, things are going to change. And then Kyle Rittenhouse happened. So it goes back and forth. So I was very happy about the verdict as a Black man. I mean, this is something that could happen to me. I'm a jogger. I'm a runner. So I I won't say that it makes me feel more protected, but It makes me feel like if something like this were to happen to me, that the assailants wouldn't necessarily get away with it. Ahmad's mom, Wanda Cooper-Jones, established the Ahmad Arbery Foundation, where six scholarships will be awarded to students at Brunswick High School, where he graduated in 2012. And so his family is keeping his memory alive as well. We always have that discussion about, you know, justice being served. And for them, you know, they don't have him anymore. And I don't know what justice could actually feel like. But when it comes to sentencing, I know that is something that um, is the next discussion. Are you nervous at all about how that could go? I'm nervous because even after you get a guilty verdict, you never know what the punishment is going to be. Are you going to get a judge who acknowledges the severity of the crime and will sentence in line with that? Or will you get a judge who's more sympathetic with the person with the killer than they are with the victim. Let's talk about Trayvon Martin, someone who also had his entire life ahead of him and was completely robbed of that 10 years ago. His killer was charged with second-degree murder, but was ultimately acquitted in 2013. And this infuriating event, I mean, I can remember it to this day. I was just shocked and hurt. I had to call my mom. It birthed the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And of course, we know that ultimately turned into the powerful movement that we have today. And Trayvon's mom, Sabrina Fulton, is doing everything she can to keep her son's memory alive. Let's take a listen to a little bit of what she said. I have to be the voice for my son who's no longer here. I have a son in heaven and a son here on earth, and I want to make both boys proud. So, Jeremy, when you think about this this tragedy and you think about everything that's happened since, it may feel like to some people we are turning a corner a little bit and we're starting to see some kind of semblance of justice in trials like these. Do you feel like things are, are getting better? 
I feel things are getting better in a sense. I wonder if the Trayvon Martin trial happened today. I wonder if the verdict would be the same. And, and I kind of think maybe it would not be. I think things are getting better, but at the same time, after every guilty verdict, after every sentencing, it happens again. There's another black man or black woman who is killed by the police for no reason. So it keeps happening. And, on, and as long as it keeps happening, I don't think I would ever say definitively that things are getting better. When you talk about it, you know, happening and, and happening over and over again, the one that we all have seared into our brains is George Floyd. And there was an update in that trial this week as well. Uh, I mean, March 25th, a police officer fatally pressed his knee into George's neck for more than nine minutes while three other police officers watched. And George's death sparked a massive racial reckoning movement across the world. And yesterday, the three police officers who watched were convicted of violating George's constitutional rights by letting his death play out the way that it did and, you know, not intervening. So George was literally screaming out, I can't breathe, the words that we have heard so many times. We've seen them, you know, plastered across signs and all of that. So when you heard this verdict yesterday, what did you think, Jeremy? I think this is such an important verdict because when I think back of the first time I watched that video, I remember thinking, I can't believe those three cops are just standing there doing nothing. Derek Chauvin and George Floyd were kind of the names, the, the people that everyone was talking about, but no one really talked about the other three cops. And I think until the verdict was handed down, a lot of people actually forgot about that aspect of the whole thing. It almost felt like a gang event where the gang leader is doing this horrible, brutal thing and the other three are just standing by, watching it and letting it happen. Jeremy, thank you so much. I mean, hearing these stories just makes my heart hurt. And I hope that, you know, someday we can see a day where there truly is just liberty and justice for all. You're very welcome, Janine. Coming up, we delve into the current fight in Ukraine using the eyes, ears, and social media posts of witnesses, some we all know, who are on the ground. But first, in a day filled with so much heaviness, we're going to lighten the mood and get in the groove with celebrity DJ, DJ Cassidy. As I said, tomorrow night are the NAACP Image Awards, and DJ Cassidy is hosting the After Party Show. We're going to pass the mic to him after the break. I'm back, and tomorrow, the NAACP Image Awards are back on BET. Expected to be star-studded with an added royal flair, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are set to receive the President's Award, a recognition of special achievement and distinguished public service. The Duke and Duchess have supported efforts to tackle the COVID-19 pandemic and have put a spotlight on the Black Lives Matter movement and the fight for racial justice. So their honor will be something to see, along with other stars like Zendaya, Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony Anderson. It's going to be a starry night. But after the awards are handed out, you'll be able to party at home 
thanks to our next guest, DJ Cassidy. His Pass the Mic BET After Party Music Special will be immediately following the show, and it's the ninth installment of DJ Cassidy's Pass the Mic. It's coming from a guy who spins in the DJ booth at some of the most talked-about parties. He's the go-to for stars like J-Lo, Rihanna, Diddy, and the Obamas. And DJ Cassidy is here right now to get us into the party spirit on this here New Music Friday. Hey, DJ, how are you? Janine, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. So much to talk about. Before we get into the after party, what are you excited for when it comes to the show, the NAACP Image Awards? Well, I'm going to give you three words. Mary J. Blige. She is performing tomorrow night. I think she's doing one of her new records but I would not be surprised if we see a medley of some greatest hits. There is no one like Mary J. Blige. Tell us about Pass the Mic tomorrow night. You get your favorite musicians to basically do a sing-along to their biggest hits. So who are folks going to be jamming with? So tomorrow night on BET, directly after the Image Awards, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, I'm premiering the ninth installment of my series, Pass the Mic. And I have always dreamed about producing a reggae edition of Pass the Mic, and my dream finally came true. I will be passing the mic tomorrow to none other than Shaggy. There is no way to celebrate reggae music or reggae culture without Shaggy. In the spirit of Pass the Mic, we've got a little game for you. We're going to hit you with some questions, and we want to know who you'd pass the mic to and what song you'd want them to sing. It's been a long weekend, and your significant other just broke up with you over a text. Who do you pass the mic to? I'm passing the mic to Adele to sing Hello, and after I cry it out, I'm passing the mic to <laughs> Gloria Gaynor to do I Will Survive. Yes. Well, you just got that big promotion and you're ready to hit the town. Who do you pass the mic to? To the weekend to sing I Feel It Coming. And once I'm at and about, I'm passing the mic to Bruno Mars so we can be dripping with finesse. All right. Your mom just dropped by unexpectedly. Easy. I'm passing the mic to Shaka Khan to do I'm Every Woman. Oh, I love it. They said yes. You just got engaged. Who do you pass the mic to? To Alicia Keys to do no one, because no one can take the place of you. I'm going to throw one more in there. You're a nominee at the 53rd NAACP Image Awards, and they just called your name. Easy. Stevie Wonder. He's doing Sign Seal Delivered. Easy one. Easy one. Thank you, DJ Cassidy. Well, everyone, be sure to check out the NAACP Image Awards tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on BET. And you have to stick around right after to catch DJ Cassidy's Pass the Mic special. You won't want to miss it. A lot of times we hear about how social media can be used in a non-productive way, but what about when it can be used to be informative and inspiring? Social media has become a way for people all over the world to feel connected in times of crisis, from protests to natural disasters, and right now, with war. As we all know, Russia has invaded Ukraine and their military attacks on Kyiv were only the beginning of this crisis. News reporters, influencers, and even celebrities who are in the country are taking to their social media channels to give us moment-to-moment -moment updates and bring the world into their experiences. To talk about this with me today is People's Politics Editor, Adam Carlson. Hey, Adam. 
Hi, Janine. Well, we touched on it a little bit yesterday, but Dancing with the Stars pro, Max Shmarkovsky, who was back home in the Ukraine shooting a dance competition show, is the perfect example of someone who is able to give the world a view into what he is experiencing in real time during a time of war. He is someone who does not generally take to social media in times of crisis, but he is feeling compelled to do so, and in the process, is allowing the rest of us to follow him on this harrowing journey. Yo, I'm going to a bomb shelter, but I just want to say this is very real. This is not an army versus an army while the, the civilians are sitting by and, and watching. This is civilians uh, in regular clothes. Why is Max there? And, and what is your take on his reporting? So Max is Ukrainian-born. This is his home country. And he found himself quite unexpectedly, by his own admission, in the crosshairs of what could become the first major war in Europe in decades. And from the very beginning, he opened up a window into the heart of that conflict with his social media posts, posting from the balcony in the capital city as air sirens were going out overhead on Thursday morning. And since then, he's continued to post updates as he has kind of moved around the city as he has talked to other people, most of whom were, quite frankly, taken aback that we now find ourselves in wartime, a wartime I think that a lot of people had thought was left the history books. This appears to be an actual land invasion in Europe. Max is saying, I, I'm not a journalist, he, he repeatedly stresses, I'm not sharing news, but he wants people to know, one, how he's doing, that he he's still safe, and then two, how he feels like the rest of the people around him are holding up, and the sheer unbelievability of the conflict, in his words. We're seeing and hearing reports not only from Max, but from other influencers that if you are 18 and older, you are being asked to not leave and to join the fight to take back your country. Um, you know, civilian friends are getting into uniform and joining the fight, as he put it out. But yesterday, Hall of Famers Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko released a solidarity message for Ukraine. We must stay united against this aggression, against Russian aggression. Don't let it happen, continue happening in Ukraine. Don't let it happening in Europe and eventually in the world. Vitaly has been the mayor of Kiev since 2014. And Vladimir, as we know, you know, a major fighter, signed up earlier this month for the Ukrainian military reserve. So what is the impact you're seeing from, from this kind of messaging on social media? I think the thing that all these posts do and what social media, for good and for bad, does more largely is it makes the world feel smaller. And in these posts that we're seeing from Max and then from the Klitschko brothers and from everyone else talking about um, their roles in the conflict, it really brings each of us on the other side of our phone screens and laptops that much closer to what they're experiencing. There's still so much that we don't know. As you say, it sounds like the Ukrainian government wants um, any able-bodied man to sign up. Um, they, they're not allowed to leave the country. Obviously, a ton of people are still trying to flee. A lot of Ukrainian men want to sign up. I think it illustrates all the different emotions that um, each of these Ukrainian citizens is going through. It really puts a face on something that can just be a headline if you're scrolling. We usually, you know, watch things like this on the nightly news, which now almost feels like a thing of the past. 
do you think this is how we are going to get the information about what's going down? I think in a lot of ways it can be so powerful having all of these additional voices sharing their stories directly. The flip side of that is in all of those voices, you can kind of lose yourself. You know, it can it can all just turn into noise. I think our role then as journalists or anyone really consuming these stories is to just kind of apply an extra filter about what you say, uh, about what you see and what you say in social media or when you share something, because um, they can be really powerful. But um, too often there will be things that um, turn out not to be quite true. Already we've seen a bunch of stuff go viral on social media that we can't quite source, that we're not quite sure that the context is right, or it's a little clip of something, or it's a photo that maybe is actually a few years old. Um, and none of that is helpful, right? Because it just feeds the confusion of an already chaotic time. I just want to uh, go back to Max. We know that his wife, Peter Murgatroyd, also Dancing with the Stars star, um, has asked everyone to pray for him. Uh, do we have anything on the latest? I mean, he says that he's safe right now. Um, we know that that they are kind of waiting on pins and needles, both of them, um, Peter and Max, for some kind of resolution. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for taking the time. Always happy to be here, Janine. Let's be real. Today has been a pretty heavy one. Sometimes when there's so much chaos going on, it's easy to feel helpless. I personally have been taking in everything and my heart just breaks. I'm watching and reading the news on Ukraine, wondering what can we do? What should I do? So if you're like me and looking for a way to take action, I want to leave you with a few resources for you to check out. The Red Cross is on the ground right now helping to deliver urgent assistance like food, water, fuel, medical supplies, and housing support for people in need. Also, Nova Ukraine is a U.S.-based nonprofit that works with activists and other organizations in Ukraine to help provide humanitarian aid to vulnerable groups and individuals. They are currently working to ship diapers, baby food, and medical supplies. They accept monetary donations in addition to children's clothing, bedding, personal hygiene items, and more. And then Catherine M. Russell, the executive director of UNICEF, or the United Nations Children's Fund, released a statement saying the organization is currently, quote, working with municipalities to ensure there is immediate help for children and families in need. So for more information about ways to donate to these organizations and others like them, you can visit people.com or check out the link in our show notes. Thank you all so much for listening to us today. We'll be back on the other side of the weekend with more of People Every Day. People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Madison Lesby, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, and the great team at Pod People. Edited by Morgan Foose and Carter Wogan. People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs, with help from Eliza Sessler and Fallon Harge. Executive produced by David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. <laughs>